This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Uh, joining me on the other line as I enjoy some uh, Wednesday afternoon football in the background here is my colleague Dave Shane. Dave, how is it going? Good. Still, still working on the Thanksgiving leftovers, so you know. Weather's cooling down. It, it feels like hockey weather, but you know, still no hockey. So I know I was. I'm starting to get the sweaters out of the closet. You know, getting the fireplace going. Sometimes Ooh, the fireplace. Yeah, I know it's a good time of year. You know, we had some hot chocolate and watched uh, Christmas movies over the weekend. Me and the girlfriend, and so it's it's a really fun time of year. Except for, as you mentioned, uh, still no hockey, and we don't seem to be particularly closer to hockey because the league and the uh, players still seem to be kind of in a staring contest at each other because the league basically wants to uh, redo parts of the collective bargaining agreement they just signed a couple months ago. Uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman actually made comments today at a uh, panel, I believe, hosted by Sports Business Journal. It's the opposite that they're not trying to change the CBA that they just said they're just trying to uh, come up with solutions to problems that they are both facing economically. Yada, yada, yada. Gary's just trying to tap dance his way around that. But it certainly doesn't seem like the players are amenable to uh, the changes that the owners want, at least right away. We'll see if the negotiations end up going anywhere. But we don't have any concrete word on when and if next season is going to happen. So in the meantime... As we're waiting for all this news to come down, uh, I thought it'd be a fun idea if we could start to kind of preview what next year could ultimately look like if it does take place. Review the offseason that has been not just, of course, from the Golden Knights perspective, but actually in this case, what happened with the other 30 NHL teams. Uh, We did this last year. We call it... uh, are you know 30 and 30 or in this case i like to call it uh we're gonna go around the nhl in 30 minutes one minute per team i'm gonna try to hold us to that with a a lovely phone timer that i'm gonna have going here 
And we'll go through kind of what happened last year with the team, what they did in the offseason, and then I will ask one key question that each team is facing. Uh, you know, obvious disclaimer, just like we don't know what's going to happen in terms of when the season's going to start. Uh, there's still a lot that could potentially happen in terms of roster moves, but because of all the uncertainty, there's almost like an unofficial roster freeze. It feels like at the moment there's still some notable free agents that uh, have not been signed, including, you know, former Golden Knight Eric Kala. He's one of the guys that's still on the open market. And there are still some teams that we're going to talk about that clearly need to do some things before next season gets started. But uh, at this point, it's probably not worth waiting for all these things to happen. So we're just going to discuss these teams as they sit uh, right now and what their outlook is. And obviously that can all change, not only depending on when and if the season gets started, but, you know, obviously there's different formats that could affect how the season ultimately plays out. There's going to be potentially different number of games that are going to get bandied about as to how long the season is going to be. And that could affect how teams kind of approach this upcoming season. Uh, We're just going to try our best at this point. And uh, hopefully it'll be fun. And we're going to take them in alphabetical order. So, Dave... Do you think you are ready to go around the NHL in 30 minutes? Approximately. I don't think we're actually going to make it. I was going to say, I don't think I can do it in 30 minutes, but let's try. (laughs) Let's get it going here. We'll start with the Anaheim Ducks. And I got to be honest, this is a bad place to start because, Dave, I've gone through their roster. Obviously not a good year for the Ducks last year. Didn't make the playoffs. Didn't even get invited to the bubble Uh, Is there a more forgettable team in the NHL than the Anaheim Ducks? I just don't know what there is to get excited about on this roster. Obviously, they have a good goaltender in Gibson. Their one notable offseason addition was uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, who's a fine defenseman, got a nice deal after winning a cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But overall, this is a fairly old team that's also not that good, and there's not exactly a prospect Calvary Uh, on the horizon so what is there necessarily to even get juiced up about with the anaheim ducks i don't know that reverse retro jersey was kind of kind of sweet with the wild wing man that's about it i mean honestly you're 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 dead on and it's weird because three years ago they were like the five-time defending division champs they were the team that you had to get through that everybody figured you know when the knights came in the league well okay uh, you know, Pacific Division runs through Anaheim, and that changed real quick, and doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. All right, next up, the Arizona Coyotes. They obviously have, uh, you know, a new general manager in Bill Armstrong, and they are missing a key player because Taylor Hall left in free agency. Uh, this is another team with a lot of older players that are pretty expensive, but they don't appear close to really being a a playoff force. So what's the direction of this franchise now? Yeah, it's weird because it felt like a couple years ago, they were maybe, you know, on the ascent sort of figuring things out under John Chaka and they made a good move to get Darcy Kemper. We're contending for playoff spots. And now all of a sudden it feels like, you know, they're right back where they were, you know, a few years ago, kind of two steps forward, three steps back. It's just going to be a struggle, I think, to score goals. But maybe that fits with Rick Tockett's style, and maybe they can just become, you know, a gritty team. I, I they were able to keep all uh, Ekman Larson after that whole drama. So, 
you know, maybe that helps. But again, it, it feels like some other teams in the division have passed them by. Next up, the Boston Bruins lost in the second round to the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, the oldest team in the NHL last season, Dave. And I think that's caused a lot of people to kind of write their obituary after their playoff exit. But uh, are we sure that the window has closed for this team? Maybe not entirely. I give it like one more year, but I think it's a big if, depending on like if Char comes back, that's going to be kind of the big X factor with them. And then two, just kind of what happens with Tuka Rask? Because I, and, and again, it, him leaving the bubble was entirely, um, uh, sorry, what sort of, um, acceptable like knowing that his family and and what had gone on with the family emergency and everything like that but it wasn't well received unfortunately with the boston bruins fans he's got a weird history with them to begin with so if there's any sort of you know lingering issue or drama with that uh you know maybe that you know throws a monkey wrench in them but i think if they get chara back they can they can still contend next up the buffalo sabers of course they're the ones that got taylor hall and only on a one-year contract. Uh, Dave, do you think this was the right move for Hall going to kind of a middling team, if you want to be generous at this point, to the Buffalo Sabres? Well, I think it's an interesting bet on himself. Players like to do that. You know, they say, you know, I'm going to bet on myself and whatever. He gets to play with Jack Eichel, uh, right-handed center, and Taylor Hall on the left-hand side. Like, everything lines up. You would think it could work well. So, in that regard, if you're going to put yourself in a position to have a good year and then hope that once the economic environment kind of, you know, gets back to equilibrium and you can get what your true value is in a long-term deal based on, you know, your stats, he's, he's put himself in a good situation. Now, whether there's enough around them for the Sabres to be good and whether, you know, he, he can succeed and, and lead them like he did the Devils to the playoffs a couple of years ago. Big question. Next up, the Calgary Flames. They, of course, lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Dallas Stars, and their big offseason acquisition was poaching goaltender Jacob Markstrom from division rival Vancouver. Uh, Dave, Jacob Markstrom, all-star in his contract year. Is he going to be kind of a contract year wonder, or is he going to live up to his big six-year deal with the Flames? I mean, I probably lean a little bit toward the one-year wonder, but somewhere in the middle. I, I would, I, I think he's a guy who can flirt with being an all-star. He can flirt with being a top five, you know, Vezina Trophy type guy like he was last year. But I do think that was a career year. I don't think he's necessarily the answer. The guy who can carry, you know, an okay Flames team over the top, I think they needed more on defense. I think they needed to make some tweaks up front. So does he fix a little bit of a problem? Yes. Is he the answer? Probably not, no. Then we're going to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes who lost in the first round of the playoffs last year to the Boston Bruins after making the Eastern Conference Final the year before. Uh, The big question for them, Dave, can you win a Stanley Cup with uh, Peter Morozik and James Reiner? That is their goaltending tandem, and they finished 17th in team save percentage last season. I don't think you can unless you've got like Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux or like something else offensively that makes up for it. I think that's why Carolina was a team that seemed to be mentioned a lot you know, during the free agency and the off season for goaltenders and a big part of, you know, sort of that merry-go-round that they never really jumped on. But again, I think that's because there's a confidence issue with Mrazek and James Reimer and how far, you know, you can really go with them. They've got some pieces up front. If, if Shvetsnikov takes another step, maybe, but, you know, again, I think goaltending is going to be the issue in Carolina. And now we're going to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks, who of course lost in the first round to the Golden Knights. 
Uh, the Blackhawks have kind of been middling for the last couple seasons because they've got, you know, really good veterans, but not a lot of young talent to supplement them. Now it seems they're going in the complete tank, and to do so, they let go of Corey Crawford, and they are turning over the net to Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia, both 26-year-olds with career goals against averages over three. Uh, Dave, is this just the most elegant route the Blackhawks could take to tanking? Yeah, and I think they even kind of sent a letter to their fans, if I remember right, sort of spelling out that they're going to go through a rebuild and and all that sort of stuff. And and I do just want to say I don't want to like like cap too much on Colin Delia because he is from Rancho Cucamonga and I am also from Rancho Cucamonga, California. So, you know, good on Colin Delia for uh making it out of the uh Inland Empire to the NHL, but I think if you if you're going to go into a season with Malcolm Subban and the hero of Rancho Cucamonga as your two goaltenders, you're essentially kind of waving the white flag and saying, yeah, we're not going to be very good. Definitely. One team not waving the white flag is the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, They lost in game seven in the second round to the Dallas Stars last year. Uh, My question to you, Dave, was Joe Sackick, their GM on a revenge tour after not being uh, a finalist for GM of the year last year. Both of us, I think, had him considered potentially our uh, GM of the year. He traded for Brandon Saad from the Blackhawks, added Devontae's from the New York Islanders. Uh, another great offseason for the Avalanche's head man. Yeah, and the Taves trade is is somewhat interesting in light of the news that came out of Johnny Boychuk needing to retire because of the, the eye injury that he suffered. So I'm sure the Islanders would love to have Devin Taves back right now. But again, I think, you know, the, the Avalanche knowing where the contracts and, and having the cap room and their ability to kind of make a run for it right now. I still think goaltending is again going to be the question for them and whether, you know, Francouz and um, Grubauer are, are, I guess, good enough. I mean, certainly I think they're good in the regular season, whether they're going to be, you know, playoff contending goaltenders, Stanley Cup caliber goaltenders. I think that still remains to be seen. Next up, the Columbus Blue Jackets lost in the first round to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, is this a team that's ever going to kind of break out of their recent cycle where there's kind of seem to be, you know, in the fight for the eight and nine seed, uh, does adding Max Domi to the mix for them do do much for you, Dave? I mean, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, so if we're going to say that they, you know, have that eight, nine seeds cycle, I kind of look at that as similar to Minnesota. And I think they're better than Minnesota, you know, on paper, Warensky, Seth Jones, they've got two goaltenders that are that are signed. I, I think if Domi can have a bounce back year, get back to what he was the first year in Montreal when he was, you know, 60, 70 point type of guy, then yeah, it solves a lot of issues for Columbus. You know, Dubois is an up and coming guy. They can get Atkinson, you know, straightened out and back to, you know, 30 goal form. I think there's some interesting pieces there. And I, I, I just think it's such a tough conference for them to, to, I guess, get over the hump. Next up, the Dallas Stars, who, of course, ended the Golden Knights season last year and then lost in the Stanley Cup final to the Lightning. Uh, They're essentially running back their same squad, uh, minus Corey Perry. Most of their offseason was filled with re-signings and bringing back guys that got on the Clarence S. Campbell Bowl. Uh, We think that's the right call for them, Dave? I mean, I don't think they can tear it down, and I think it's hard to really, like, add a whole lot to it. I think you hope that Haskinen takes another step and, you know, a healthy Tyler Sagan, since he was so just beat up during the postseason, you know, that you get a full healthy season out of him and and come to the playoffs and and maybe you can get over that that last hump that they weren't able to. I mean, they're close. They were close two years ago. They took St. Louis, which eventually, 
you know, won the Stanley Cup to to a game seven. Um, obviously, they were in the Stanley Cup final last year and and seemed to kind of run out of gas. So I, it's hard for them to, to really say, you know, we can just tear it down. Uh, I just feel like their window is really, really close to closing at this point. Yeah, going to be tough to get as far as they did. And now the Detroit Red Wings, uh, they were obviously uh, just awful last year. Finished with the top odds for the number one overall pick. Ended up picking number four. Uh, should they at least be something above abhorrent this year because they added a lot of decent veteran players like uh, former knight john merrill and uh, goaltender thomas grice from the islanders yeah that drafting man you know you, you know they're going for lafreniere right you, you tank this was the year to do it because if you look at the 2021 draft it's scattered all over the place there's not like a guy that you would tank for and then what did they end up like fourth and nothing against lucas raymond i think who they ended up with in the draft but like you know i it's not the plan. I'm sure they're going to be bad for a couple more years, and and there's not a whole lot Steve Eisen can do. But I, if I'm a if I'm a Red Wings fan, I feel good about at least the direction that they're going, some of the draft picks, and some of the moves that that Eisenman's made. Now the Edmonton Oilers uh, lost in the play-in round to the Chicago Blackhawks after kind of a uh, surprising uh, nice year for them. Uh, the question, they have a decent offseason in terms of adding guys like Kyle Turris at forward, Tyson Berry on defense. Uh, but why did they stick with a Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen goalie tandem? Because those guys were just uh, abhorrent against the Chicago Blackhawks in the bubble. Yeah, I, it's a good question. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to go after Markstrom. And I don't know what some of the situations were with their interest in, you know, maybe a few of the other goaltenders that were available during this offseason. But it does feel like they needed an upgrade there. And then Mike Smith's only getting older. Koskinen, while it feels like he's serviceable, hasn't shown that he can really, you know, like carry the load in the playoffs or anything like that. It felt like that was the one area that they really needed to upgrade and they didn't. So I don't know if that means they take a step back, but I have a hard time seeing how they take a step forward. Agreed. Uh, also speaking of goaltending, let's talk about the Florida Panthers who uh, need to get Sergei Bobrovsky back on track. He is the second most expensive goaltender by AAV in the NHL. And his goals against average started with a three last year. So how do they get more out of that signing, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably some system things. You know, obviously they they traded away Matheson and not to like, you know, put the blame on him per se. But I think if there's a culture change and, and maybe they can, you know, play better in front of him, that's that's probably your hope if you're Joel Quinville. But you know, it, it's not looking like a good contract right now. And it weighs you down and it, it limits your flexibility and what you can do so, with some other things. And it probably forces you, if you're the, the Florida GM, Belzito, to to make some difficult, you know, trades, decisions going forward because you're stuck with him. Yeah, Zito, new on the job uh, this season. Next up, the Los Angeles Kings, who did get a high draft pick. They got the second overall pick and they used it to select center Quinton Byfield. Uh, what do you think we should expect from Byfield right away, Dave? One thing that's kind of good for him in terms of coming into the Kings is that they still have some older wingers that should maybe be able to help him along a little bit. Yeah, I think maybe this year it's it's too early to expect a whole lot from him. It sounds like he's going to concentrate on the World Juniors and then you know maybe jump in with the Kings at that point. And if he has to go back to Juniors or you figure it out, it's okay. He, I think he's like right on the fringe of like, where he can jump in 
and play that first year where I think Lafreniere was was pretty much plug and play. Uh, we'll see, but I think there's there was a lot of projection with Byfield, and I think that was the the excitement and the in the intrigue that his frame, his body, and and his skill level and all that would continue to develop. But it would just take a little bit of time. And next up, the Minnesota Wild, who you already kind of uh, talked about, Dave, in terms of is this team going to be anywhere? But kind of right in the middle of the Western Conference, that seven to twelve range, uh, they've got the you know same kind of lack of exciting forwards, a solid blue line, iffy goaltending, and they're kind of probably wind up right where they always are. Correct? Yeah, probably. I think the one sort of you know star asterisk next to it is Kaprizov, and how good is he? And if he comes in and is like, you know, I, I don't know. If he's like Tamu Solani and comes in and throws up like 70 goals or something just stupid, which I don't expect. But if he does, like, okay, well that, that's, that changes the entire dynamic. If he comes in and scores 30, 35 goals, I think even that changes the dynamic for them a little bit. But again, it's just that, that, that question of everything around him. It just doesn't feel like it's good enough to really you know, get past some of the better teams in the Western Conference. <laughs> Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resume on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast try indeed with a free 75 dollars credit at indeed.com slash blue wire this is their best offer available anywhere go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through december 31st terms and conditions apply they say a healthy gut means a healthy you favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two ounce shot Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Yeah, Cap is a Russian forward who's finally coming to North America, was the Wilds top prospect uh, next up speaking of kind of a team with a lot of top prospects the montreal canadiens uh they had a young team last year that won in the playing round against the pittsburgh penguins and then lost to the philadelphia flyers and now they've added tyler Toffoli, uh josh anderson on the wing and jake allen at backup goaltender uh, how competitive do you think this team can be 
in what would be a rough Canadian division if that's what we end up having, Dave. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like the Canadian division maybe throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into into the thought process. But, you know, Mark Bergeron is kind of a fun punching bag. Like we like to make fun of him because of the uh, offer sheet and how wrong that went with Carolina and Sebastian Ajo. And and, when, and everybody likes to to joke about Mark Bergevin's biceps and how he looks like he'd be like a professional wrestler or something like that. But I actually like a lot of the moves that they made. They're solid in goal, at least for one year with Jake Allen. Or actually, I think they re-signed him. So they're solid, you know, for a couple of years there. I like the addition of Toffoli, and I think Anderson can really, really, really be, you know, a guy who, if they get him back to 20-goal form, you know, he's a problem. So... I think they're a team, if they get on off to a good start in a, in a Canadian division, they're going to be a team that other other teams don't want to face. Agreed. Next up, uh, Nashville Predators. They've kind of gone backwards the past couple of years since making the uh, Stanley Cup final in, I believe, 2017 against the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Are we surprised nothing major happened with this roster because they still have about $13 million of cap space. They've got a core that hasn't gotten results in the last couple years. So is there still something down the pike maybe for this team? Feels like it. I, I don't know. Mike Hoffman seems like a name. Like why wouldn't they be linked with him? Um, there, there's a little bit of, I think, wait and see, at least for right now with some of the NHL teams and just kind of trying to figure out, okay, what's going to happen with next year. And, you know, where is everything going to, you know, shake out once the the dust settles i guess you could say so maybe the the predators are a team that that once business starts to pick up that they're going to be active and and jump on some of those ufas that you mentioned because there's a handful that are really good players still available but again they just feel like a team that that's sort of spinning its wheels and and, and kind of stuck in the mud a little bit right now yeah a team that uh is starting over in a lot of ways is the New Jersey Devils. They just hired uh, Lindy Ruff. It's his third head coaching gig, and he is now going to be charged with developing their young core of Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, and Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, Dave, how do we think of Lindy Ruff kind of an off-the-board hire in a lot of ways? It's his first time being a head coach in a couple years. He last uh, was in charge of bench in 2017. Was he the right guy for the Devils? So maybe it's not fair for me to say I don't know him very well. It doesn't feel like it just on the surface. It feels like he, you know, that they that's a group that needs somebody um, who works well with young players. And maybe Lindy Ruff does. Uh, my impression is, is that's not necessarily the type of coach he is. I don't know. The one thing that I do kind of like about their core and I feel would would feel good about going forward if I was a Devils fan is Mackenzie Blackwood. That finally there's some hope and goal that maybe, you know, going forward there's a there's a number one there and you can build around, you know, Heisher and Jack Hughes and uh, Alexander Holtz who they took this year as well and some of the other guys too in the first round. Yeah, next up a team that's not building is the New York Islanders. They were just in the Eastern Conference final. Uh, it's Barry Trotz's third year as coach, and he's kind of had this team overachieving uh, in each of his two seasons so far. Is he is this team going to be able to ride kind of his system to another season with a playoff series win? Yeah, I think they're going to have to because I think they're thin on defense unless they go out right now and start making some moves or you know acquiring some guys, which I'm sure Lou Lamorella will do. I'm sure he's got a plan and and all those sorts of things tucked away. He's just not going to tell anybody, obviously, but. They feel like a team that that right now, it's almost like a college football program. 
You know, you know they're going to consistently be right there. That's the way that Barry Trotz has them. They're going to contend, you know, I guess in an Eastern Conference or revised, you know, Eastern Division, probably whatever it is, because they're going to play so well defensively. They're going to get good, good goaltending. And then the other thing, too, is Matthew Barzell continues to develop and be a guy who's a frontline player and can be relied on, uh, you know, to drive offense for him as well. Yeah, a team that needs uh, no help driving offense next year will be the New York Rangers. Uh, is there going to be a team that's more fun to watch than this one, Dave? Uh, we talked about Lafreniere already, the number one overall pick, and he's being added to a group that already includes Artemi Panarin, Mika Zabanajev, Chris Kreider, Kapo Kako, and Adam Fox. There's just a lot of firepower with this group. Yeah, Tony D'Angelo is back. They have the two Russian. Well, uh, is Georgiev Russian? I don't want to insult patriotism and, and nationality. I don't, I apologize for that, but two solid goaltenders that, that are maybe a little bit of X factors, you know, Shesterkin, especially, um, he got off to that good start when he came over. And if he's a guy, you know, that, that can be a number one and can stand on his head and, and post a nine twenty five save percentage for a season and things like that, it really could be a game changer for them. There's a lot. I think that David Quinn has to get right in terms of just the balance of his lineup, how he sets the lines up, you know, who's on a left wing, right wing, how things are sort of spread out between the top nine and all those sorts of things. It's going to be a challenge for him, but there's a lot there to work with. And I think they're definitely a team that's on the rise and up and coming. Uh, a team that's trying to get on the rise is the Ottawa Senators. They've been kind of, it feels like, rebuilding for a couple years now when their big move of the offseason was adding former Penguins goaltender Matt Murray. Uh, they signed him to a four-year, $25 million contract after trading for him. Uh, Murray, he of the eight ninety nine save percentage last year. Are we sure that he's going to be the savior net the Senators need, Dave? No, not sure. Definitely not sure. But he could be. I mean, I think it's going to be uh, a Big challenge and a big project for their goaltending coach and their goaltending, I guess, department and sort of getting him right. Because if they can get him back to, you know, form and, and where he was in Pittsburgh, there's a there's some pieces there. I still think Ottawa's a couple years away. I think they're a, at least another draft or two away, you know, from having an impact guy that can come in and really be a difference maker. But I love Brady Kachuk. I love some of the moves that they've made, you know, quietly there in this rebuild. I just think they're early in the process of that and and it takes a little bit more. I don't know that Matt Murray's going to be the guy that, that just instantly snap your fingers makes them a playoff contender. Yeah, next up a team that was a playoff contender last year, the Philadelphia Flyers uh lost in the second round uh to the Islanders after not making the playoffs the year before. Uh this is a team that was rolling uh before the pause, then obviously had a good bubble performance as well. Uh, are they going to be able to build off kind of that late season momentum under a uh, first year coach, Elaine Vigneault now heading into a second year and produce another playoff season, Dave? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to pat myself on the back. I think if we go back and listen to the podcast at like the start of last year and I was like, we were picking our eight teams for the playoffs and kind of Philly was my dark horse, if I remember right. And I love Carter Hart. I just think that was a lot of what, what, Philadelphia was missing was just having that confidence in a goaltender back there that you could plug him in every night. He was going to give you a game, keep you in it and all that. They just, it was like St. Louis. They had all this talent and just, there was one little piece missing. I don't know that that puts him over the top next year, but I do feel like, you know, as long as the window for Claude Giroux, Couturier, some of those guys up front, 
you know, is open, that they're going to be a, a tough team to deal with. The other thing too, is if they get Nolan Patrick back and they're able to add him, you know, to the mix that, that, that could be another game changer for them as well. All right. Next up the Pittsburgh Penguins with a disappointing end of their season. They lost in the playing round to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, obviously this is a team that's kind of got a lot of older pieces on it. Do we think they have one more run in them or have the early flameouts? Cause they also lost in the uh, first round. They got swept by the Islanders the year before. Uh, have they exposed a group that just doesn't seem to have it anymore? Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I mean, they were so in and out in terms of like, you know, Malkin missing early and then he was so good. Crosby missed some time early. And then, you know, you look at their record at the end of the season, you know, last year at the pause and they were right there. It's hard to like totally write them off as a team that's, you know, just, just done and the windows closed. But I don't know that I really like the moves that they made in the off season. I don't know if, if, you know, Tristan Jari is, is ready to carry the load in that way. We'll see if he is, then, then yeah, they're going to be a tough team to, to deal with because any, any time Sidney Crosby and Jenny Malkin are healthy and you have to deal with them down the middle in a playoff series, that's going to be hard. Next up the San Jose Sharks, who of course lost to those Pittsburgh Penguins in the Stanley cup final a few years ago. Uh, the Sharks made the Western Conference Finals in 2019 and were well out of the playoff picture in 2020. They had an awful year. So, Dave, uh, which version of the team do we think is going to show up in uh, 2021? The bottom dwellers or the ones that made a real playoff run? I feel like it's closer to the bottom dweller dwellers, to be quite honest. I think their problems, I guess, outweigh their, their strengths, so to speak. They feel like an out-of-balance roster, too top-heavy. Yeah, there's talent there. Like you mentioned, Burns, Carlson, you know, all these guys. But I don't know that there's enough depth. I question how good they are defensively and then just the goaltending. There's nothing that would make me feel confident about Martin Jones and, and what they have going there in terms of the goaltending position that they can make another run and they can straighten it out. It, it feels like Doug Wilson's got a big chore ahead of him because – He's put them in a, in a tough salary cap situation with the contracts that, that he handed out to a few of those guys. Yeah, they added Devin Dubnik to compete with Martin Jones, and he was coming off an awful year in Minnesota. Also had to deal with a scary health situation with his wife. Uh, but next, we'll talk about the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko was not really available in the bubble. He's going to have, uh, I believe, his third uh, shoulder surgery in about three years and if he's not going to be 100% or if he's still fighting through that this coming year, are the Blues going to have enough firepower to be a real playoff threat again? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Tory Krug was a was a good addition in terms of being able to help the power play, being able to help replace the points that Alex Petrangelo provided. Uh, so at least in, on paper, some of that becomes a wash. I do think that they've got other guys up front. You know, David Perron, the last couple of years has been, you know, consistent 50 to 60 point score. Ryan O'Reilly, uh, you've got Jaden Schwartz and, you know, some other guys there too that, that can produce some, some younger guys as well. Robert Thomas, I think was in the 40 point range last year and, and could possibly produce a little bit more. Uh, you know, depending on his role. So there's some players there. And I, th I think it's more about their identity. It's more about what they've established under Craig Berube and the style of play. I don't think firepower is the issue. I just think it's it's just a question overall. Are they as good as they were two years ago? I don't think so. 
All right, next up, we're going to talk about the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the simple issue for them is how are they going to get under the cap? Because uh, as is a you know really big problem when you're the defending Stanley Cup champion, they have too many good players. Uh, they are about $1.9 million over right now, and they still have uh, RFAs, Anthony Sorelli and Eric Cernak, still unsigned. They've got some veteran contracts that they can move, but this is going to be interesting to see how they squirm their way out of this one, Dave. Yeah, I think, you know, probably the easy answer is Alex Kalorn seems to be the guy who's probably going to get traded. You know, it's interesting. Some other people have talked about this and, you know, depending on how you go about doing a contract, you look at like the, the Golden Knights, for instance, they gave some some long term, like seven year deals, Shea Theodore, uh, Alex Tuck. Tampa Bay Lightning have done it differently with like bridge deals, shorter, you know, two year, three year deals with RFAs. And then the bigger deal comes later. So if they're able to squeeze in, you know, Sorelli and Chernak on those bridge deals, you know, maybe a little bit more inexpensive and then, you know, wiggle around with Kalorn and probably Tyler Johnson as well. I, I think Julian Breesbach can make it work. Yeah, he was a finalist for GM of the year last year, and that was obviously well-deserved. He just got his work cut out for him. Uh, next up, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, this is a team that for years people have kind of criticized for being too top-heavy and probably too kind of, I guess, skill happy for lack of a better word and they seem to kind of take aim at their critics this offseason because they added a bunch of grittier veteran guys like wayne simmons joe thornton and zach bogosian uh is it gonna work dave no no it's not i just don't like it i don't like what kyle dubas has done it feels like he's kind of papered over some of the cracks like he's they've identified the problems and then they've tried to fix it in all the wrong ways i don't like the joe thornton uh, pick up at all because they have already got Jason Spezza. And as much as I think, yeah, they need to get grittier, I don't know that Wayne Simmons is necessarily the answer to that. I think he provides some leadership, provides a little bit, but I, I don't like the mix there. I like what Sheldon Keith has done. I think I had, my thing with the Leafs is that until the leaders, until Tavares, Marner, and Austin Matthews become guys that just hate to lose. They're always going to have a problem there. We'll see if they solve that problem next year. Now another Canadian team, the Vancouver Canucks, who uh, took the Golden Knights to seven games in the second round. Uh, this is the team with a lot of exciting young players, as we chronicled at the time, and they've kind of gotten better year over year. Uh, but now my question with this team was after they lost Markstrom, uh, they lost to Foley, and they lost uh, defenseman Chris Tanev in free agency, uh, and obviously added ex-Knight Nate Schmidt in a nice pickup for them. Uh, is this team's progression going to kind of stay linear or because of kind of what their salary cap situation was, is there going to be some bumps in the road potentially for this group? Well, I think maybe short term there might be, but long term, as long as they're able to get Quinn Hughes and Pedersen under the salary cap at a reasonable cost and get that cost certainty, I guess, going forward and know what they're doing. They have two superstars potentially in their lineup and not a lot of other teams can can say that it's going to take some maneuvering for Jim Benning because not a lot of teams are in that situation where you have two young guys that are going to be RFAs and, and need massive contracts. It's going to cost, you know, a little bit here and a little bit there, but I do think Schmidt was a nice pickup for them. I think he plugs a hole. And I think as long as Patterson and Quinn Hughes are healthy and developing that the Canucks progress is going to kind of follow in line with their progress. All right, we got two more teams left. First up, the Washington Capitals, 
who after uh, two first round exits fired coach Todd Reardon, replaced him with Peter LaViolette, a guy who has uh, taken three different teams to the Stanley Cup final. He's one of only three coaches to do that. How much do we think he's going to be able to squeeze out of this roster when guys like Alex Ovechkin probably only have a, a couple really great years left? Well, I think it'll be interesting to see how a veteran group responds to his coaching and whether he maybe adjusts his coaching to a veteran group. You know, he's a he's a hard driver, obviously, kind of a bit of an old school mentality in that regard. I think he's certainly adapted a little bit in Nashville and not to say that the game is passing by or anything like that, but I just think it's an interesting question anytime you have a an older group that's one and somebody who's going to come in and really sort of crack the whip on them how they're going to respond to that i think that's going to be a big issue and then just you know overall goaltending and and not that samsonov isn't a good goaltender but can he be a guy you know that carries them in the playoffs the way that holpe did a couple years ago we'll see definitely and then last but not least we've got the winnipeg jets uh their underlying numbers last year were not good at all, but they had a spectacular goaltender in Connor Hellebuck. Uh, he won the Vezina Trophy. They have not done a lot to upgrade around him, though. They added Paul Stasny from the Knights, and that's about it. So, uh, Dave, did the Jets improve enough to potentially make another kind of push for the playoffs if or if Hellebuck isn't just completely unstoppable again? Yeah, no, probably not. I just I, I don't know that they done enough on defense. I quietly like what they did up front. I think the biggest question for them, you know, especially with the forwards, but just overall is going to be Patrick Line. Is he happy? Is he healthy? And is he producing? Because if he is suddenly a 40 to 50 goal scorer again, I do think that changes a little bit of the dynamic of the team. It creates a different sort of confidence when you have a guy that can essentially go out and win a game by himself and then also have a goalie who can win a, win a game by himself. They become a tough team to play against, but I do think they have holes. I like Paul Maurice as a coach. I just feel like, you know, maybe at least at this point, certainly Colorado and, and Dallas, St. Louis are, are ahead of where Winnipeg are in, in the quote-unquote central division, even though that might not be what we see this year. Yeah, who knows what we're going to see this year, but I'm happy we got to go through it all together. Dave, how you feeling up for going through 30 teams? Yeah, okay. Uh, not too bad to the 30 minutes. It was close, you know. Yeah, we went a little over, but that was to be expected. We'll probably uh, go through a lot of these teams again. I like to go uh, through some of this stuff when we get over-unders and other things like that because I think it's more interesting when you actually get to put a number on it. But obviously, until we know how many games these teams are playing, we're a ways away from that. So we'll come back uh, with more uh, NHL talk, Golden Knights talk, and hopefully news on a season uh, next week on this podcast. Uh, but until then, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks so much to Indeed and Favorshot, drinkafavor.com for presenting this podcast. As a reminder, you can check out all of Dave and I's written work at reviewjournal.com. Dave had a story kind of addressing the state of negotiations in Sunday's paper. Uh, and of course, if you could rate, review, subscribe, Whatever you do to podcasts, please do this one. We would appreciate it. Uh, it helps people uh, find us. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. Uh, I'm Ben Ghost. That was Dave Shane. And we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. 
Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.